on this Money Beat podcast. It is your look at the week ahead. We've got industrial production out of the U.S., inflation out of the U.K., GDP out of China, and the earnings calendar is in full swing. Microsoft, Intel, IBM, Bank of America, Amazon, a lot to discuss. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat podcast, everyone, and welcome to your look at the week ahead. I feel like, I feel like we should have an extra, we should have a different theme song for this one. Yeah, the way you announced it, you need like yeah, a, dramatic. This is a dramatic. Some like Friday night music, maybe a little jazzy. No, no, I'm thinking like big bombast. You know, the week ahead. Yeah, uh, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. Uh, we don't need to, to waste people's times with that. Anyhow, Paul Vigna, Stephen Grosser here in the studio, along with Aaron Beck, our friend from Heard on the Street, and Hello. dialing in from Washington, D.C., Anna Sussman, who is part of the economics team down there. Anna, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Pretty good. We're doing all right. So uh, big, big week for data, big week for earnings report, a lot reports, a lot to go through. Uh, here and overseas, Anna, let's just kind of, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, there's really one good thing every day. So let's just run through it. Sure. So Monday, um, the Federal Reserve's going to release figures on industrial production. So that measures um, mining, manufacturing, and utilities output. The utilities component is really uh, a function of largely what's going on with the weather. So that doesn't tell us a whole lot about um, what's happening with the economy. But, you know, last month there was, uh, in August, a a kind of larger-than-expected drop, um, and that showed there was not – extremely strong demand for a lot of manufactured goods. Um, Where there was some demand holding steady was in automotive goods. So that's been a key support of the manufacturing sector um, in the U.S. in recent months, especially as demand for, say, oil drilling equipment and mining equipment has been down. Um, But there's some questions about whether the appetite for new cars is going to be sustained. Um, You know, there's questions about credit quality in terms of people who are uh, applying for new car loans. And, you know, have have enough people replaced their old clunkers at this point? I mean, that's kind of a big question of whether the the auto market is going to um, maintain its pace. Like it hit a record high in 2015, and uh, you know whether that can be sustained is a big question that has a lot of implications for the U.S. manufacturing sector. Yeah, one of the questions. I mean, or one of the things, thoughts that just pops in my mind is August. There was a weak patch. You saw uh-huh. this in the, with the ISM, but both ISMs, uh, and you saw that also with retail sales. Mm-hmm. And September's figures have all bounced back strongly. Um, so you you do wonder if that's going to happen here with industrial production, if that like sort of right, this right. was all like sort of a soft patch, yeah. summer soft patch, and we're going to have a bounce the, back. The number I think is important in this report too is the capacity utilization number that comes out along with this too, and that has just been, but below the historical average, just quarter after quarter for I don't even know how long. You know, I mean that's just to me a sign that whatever the industrial production number is, it bounces back after August or whatever it is. Um, you're still not looking at a particularly strong uh, industrial economy. My, it's just my opinion. I mean, that kind of mirrors the the labor force participation question. Sure. You know, we're, right. we're not. Are we using all our human capital? Are we using all of our capital right. machinery? Um, you know, that's that is uh, yeah a big kind of yeah. shadow over the economy. Now let's let's turn to Tuesday. And Tuesday we're going across the pond. 
Anna. Um, you know, on this podcast, we've spoken several times about the UK pound and how much the it's pounds been, yeah. have been a big. You know, we talk, it's been a topic all like the, for the last week and a half. Right, right, and and on Tuesday in the UK, it uh, looks like a big inflation numbers on tap, right? Yeah, they've got. Um, I mean, the, our, the analysts, the economists that we survey, um, they anticipate. Uh, Pretty steep increases for um, for producer uh, price input for, for producer prices. That's going to be up 7.4 percent on the year, which is quite high. Um, I'd imagine that has to do with energy costs and, of course, things being more expensive um, for UK producers. Those um, as, because their currency uh, is, is is historically extremely weak, um, and then those things trickle into consumer prices. You know, if it costs you more to buy your raw materials you right. have to charge a little more um, to keep your margins. And so uh, consumer prices are also expected to rise 0.9% um, on the year. And last month, that was just 0.6% increase year over year. Right, right. It, it, it costs more to buy your Marmite. Oh, that yeah. Is true. There's yes. huge, huge fuss <laughs> over Marmite. I mean, my recommendation would be that you save whatever currency you have and not buy any Marmite because <laughs> totally revolting. Wait, have you, have you ever had Marmite? <coughs> yeah, I grew up around the corner from a store that sold um, imported goods from the U.K. They have wonderful chocolate and wonderful candy, but I don't understand why anyone would buy the Marmite. It is really interesting, though, because it's, like, it's hitting home now to people in the U.K., that this is real, okay? Because yeah. the lower currency is kind of abstract to a lot of people. But when things they buy at the supermarket are more expensive, or in the case of Marmite, which they love for whatever reason, is actually unavailable, it's become it's it's real now to them. Well, that's the question. I mean, would they have voted to leave if they knew their Marmite would be taken away from them? That's a good question. I mean, uh, one that we'll have to wait for another podcast. Maybe next week when I'm telling you I'm buying Marmite, we're going to eat it on the podcast. Philip Philip Layden Jones in London is coming on. To inform us about this, we we have them. Yeah, we're ready. Okay. Uh, before we get too far off the rails, Wednesday, Anna, we are going to China. Yeah, there's a whole um, pile of data coming in. Um, what's what would be Tuesday night uh, on the East Coast um, at 10 p.m. and 10 a.m. Wednesday. Um, so there's GDP, uh, which is expected to grow by 6.7% in the third quarter. So that's roughly on pace with the first and second quarters. And that's kind of where um, a lot of analysts place China's uh, growth mm -hmm. pace, which is, you know, between 6 and 7%. Um, there's also figures on industrial production, fixed asset investment, um, retail sales for September, and then um, it's not clear when the timing is. Um, I, I understand from my colleagues who are based in China, but they um, said there's also an expectation that September lending data will uh, also be released this week, and historically they've put it out the same time as GDP. Wow. All right. Uh, and then let's just move ahead. Uh, when I mean, Look, that's huge data out of China. Mm -hmm. We all know how important it and, is. And, and, and just like – I don't mean to just – No, no, but I also want to just economy. take a step back. We saw, you know, like was it uh, Wednesday into Thursday, the trade data out of China. Right, right. You know, sent yes. the markets across the globe into right. uh, you know, right. a spiral Renminbi down. has been depreciating yeah. significantly. Yes. Markets will be watching that data. Yeah. Right, exactly. I was just, I'm just so excited about the ECB meeting on Thursday. I wanted to move right into that. Uh, and then the last big data uh, event, really, of the week will be the ECB meeting, right? 
Right. That's a, there's a policy meeting in Frankfurt, um, although my colleague who covers ECB uh, tells me there's not actually a major announcement expected from um, ECB President Mario Draghi, so um, I'm, I'm not sure what markets are expecting there. There was uh, a little bit of a brouhaha earlier um, this month. You know, there were some uh, reports that maybe the ECB would be winding down its large right. um, bond purchase program, but that, that doesn't appear to be the case at this point. So I'm, I'm not sure what's expected um, out of that meeting. Right. It's just, you know, as always, anytime you have the ECB and Draghi involved, you can have the markets paying well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're rapt, rapt attention. Yeah. And yeah. no, they're going to be paying attention to see if they're going to be, if you know, the tapering questions obviously going to be in the market's right. mind. But also, the markets were disappointed in September when they didn't extend yeah. the program past March. Well, so and, any and, hints he could give to that exactly. Be, you, you know how this goes. This is all a tea leaf reading exactly. exercise. Whatever he says, they're going to stretch it and tear it apart and put it back together and try to figure out what he really means. And you know, so uh, we'll be paying. And probably get it wrong. And probably get it wrong. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and we will come back on the other side because the other really big thing going on next week is that earnings season gets underway for reals. So we'll talk about that next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, this is Paul Gigo, host of the Potomac Watch podcast. Join me and my colleagues every week as we dissect all of the latest happenings in Washington and on the campaign trail. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and the Google Play Music app. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to the Money Beat podcast. This is your week ahead. Our look into the economic calendar for the next five business days. Uh, Paul Steve here in the studio with Aaron Back, our Heard on the Street columnist and dear friend. Earnings season, gentlemen. We, we, had, we had reports Last week, you know, we had some big reports, but this upcoming week, the calendar just gets stuffed to the gills. Big time. Big time. Lot, lot, lot of companies. I think, I think, a lot of blue chips. I think Aaron and I here feel like Friday <laughs> was pretty much stuffed to the gills. Right. Well, yeah, for you guys, right? I mean, I mean getting yeah. in at 6 15, yeah. starting a live blog that went for, I think, seven hours <laughs> covering every piece of minutiae. Out of the big earnings. Just so our listeners know, it was J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup all on the same morning, which is a horrible thing they should not do. It was was epic. You guys deserve donuts. Yeah, and don't forget- And you got donuts. Don't forget PNC, because the four banks together have a combined market cap, I think, of around $650 which was the the largest set of banks to ever report on one day. I thought that that was courtesy of Barclays. I think that's a good stat. That deserves- Here you go. (laughs) <laughs> I, was, I was very impressed with your work on Friday, gentlemen. Very impressed. But you know what? Uh, the earnings calendar gets huge this upcoming week. A lot of companies, not just banks, but because, Aaron, you're here, let, let's talk about the banks first because there still are a lot of big banks to report next week. Yeah, so I'm the banks week. man, I guess. We got Bank of America on Monday. We got Goldman Sachs on Tuesday. We got Morgan Stanley on Wednesday. And uh, uh, I think 
Goldman and Morgan might be looking pretty good because one thing that we saw on Friday from Citigroup and J.P. Morgan is there's a big surge in trading activity, particularly bond trading activity. That was good news for them. That'll be, you know, maybe even better news for Goldman and Morgan Stanley because they're the pure play investment banks. So uh, we're looking pretty good for those two. Yeah. What about Bank of America um, on Monday? Did you know J.P. Morgan Wells City? Is there anything that we can take from their earnings that sort of gives us a preview of what Bank of America could be facing? Uh, you know, I mean, their earnings were pretty, just kind of decent across the board. Decent loan growth. One interesting thing is that J.P. Morgan and Citigroup are both kind of on fire in their credit card businesses right now. They're growing like gangbusters. The Sapphire. Um, yeah, the Chase Sapphire card, which you've all heard a lot about. What was the City one? What's the City one called? Well, City has um, a 2% cashback card. I forget yeah. what it's called, but that's a very attractive offering. Yeah. And they also just took over the Costco portfolio from American Express. That added, I think, $10 billion to their credit card book. So um, Bank of America is kind of number three. Wells Fargo is way behind. Bank of America is number three in credit cards among those banks. Um, and I would say they have less exciting product offerings right now. So there may be some scrutiny on them in that area. One of the, I think, the things that just sort of highlights these were these were solid earnings. I mean, they everyone beat expectations. Um, however, they all saw profits declining from the year prior, and so you know they might not have been as bad as everyone was sort of worried or forecasting. But it speaks to the problem still facing banks of how do you earn money in this environment. All, all three had net profit declines year on year. Yeah. They all beat earnings, but. As my colleague Charlie Grant pointed out in a blog post, earnings expectations have been lowered so much that it was a low bar. So it's still a tough environment for banks, no doubt about it. Yeah. And then also on the calendar, I mean, you do have some other uh, big names, Johnson Johnson, United Health, you know, a lot of blue chips. But I think something, uh, Grosser, and you like to, to have us write about this often is, you know, you have a lot of tech stocks next week. Yeah. Not, not Apple and Google, not the biggies, um, but you do have, you have Microsoft, IBM, Intel, Amazon, AMD, you know, a lot of tech stocks. Well, I mean, the other thing, too, is like when you have Netflix, Amazon, right, you're right. talking Netflix. big swings yeah. in, you know, stocks. So there's always interesting. I mean, people are going to really be w- looking at subscriber growth in Netflix, especially abroad, yeah. um, to see how it is. Um, and, you know, the other thing is the information technology or tech sector for the S&P is the only one that's expected to actually grow yes, exactly. as the season uh, as the earning season tech has been on fire of late yeah. it's been explode, you know just going gangbusters compared to like utilities and other sectors that have sort of pulled back more mm-hmm. recently so it'll be interesting if this earnings season can sort of propel Right. Um, exactly. You know, the tech sector, um, so start tech shares yeah. higher. And I think also, I mean, with all these, I mean, Amazon, it's obvious, but with IBM and Microsoft too, it's, it's watch their continued move into, you know, the, the so-called cloud and how that is faring and how far they're going with that business. And I think, you know, I think I see Intel and AMD, uh, advanced micro devices, and I think, you know, keep an eye on the chip sector. Well, the chip sector is interesting because of M&A. Has been like that well, dominated yes, M&A. the last two years because the, the, they're just trying to figure out ways of you know sort of grow right. But also you know chips are a very good share. chips are a very good tell on the state of the global oh, economy. Chips go into everything. So yeah. how those companies are doing, what they're selling, how much they're selling, it, it is a pretty good it is a pretty good insight into how the global economy is doing. So uh, a lot a lot to cover next week. Uh, anything else? Chance that we should 
No, I think that yeah. sort of covers that it. That about covers it. I think that about covers it. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend, or whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on Sunday, have a great, very short rest of the week. Or if you're watching it on Monday morning, listening to us on Monday morning, have a good week. Anyhow, uh, you know what I mean. We appreciate your patronage as always, and we'll catch up with you soon. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.